Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tinnitus Talk, a podcast on all things tinnitus. My name is Sean, and today we have a very special guest on our podcast, CJ Wildheart. He's been a professional musician for over 30 years, played in several bands, and formed the band The Wild Hearts back in 1989. Ed, also known as Ed209 on the Tinnitus Talk support forum, had the chance to interview him about his tinnitus, which he speaks about very candidly. Before we continue to the interview, let me just remind you that we're creating this podcast with a small group of volunteers. If you're interested in volunteering for us, do let us know. It's a great way to do something meaningful for the tinnitus cause, and we're always seeking new people to help out. You can help out behind the scenes with this podcast, but you also have other projects going on, such as maintaining the Tinnitus Talk support form, promoting educational content for tinnitus patients, running awareness raising campaigns, writing media articles, and taking part in research projects like survey design and data analysis. There are many different skills that we can also use, so if you're interested, please send an email to volunteer at tinnitushub.com. Now, without further ado, let's listen to the interview. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Tinnitus Talk podcast. My name is Eddie Clark, and it's with great pleasure that I can introduce today's guest, CJ Wildheart. How are you, CJ? I'm all right. Yeah, I can't hear anything. The ringing's too loud, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've just had a bit of a discussion off air. So it's obvious uh, CJ's got tinnitus and stuff, so we'll, we'll get right into it. First of all, can you tell us about your history a bit more? So, so though, people who don't know who you are, can you tell us about your background? Right. Well, I, I'm I'm 50 one and i've been a professional musician since i was about 18 and playing in bands since i was about 15 and um i've had quite a long career and um i play in a rock band called the wild hearts and we're very loud and very noisy and for many many decades i didn't really look after my my ears okay and i'll, I'll just add to that that i'm a huge fan of the wild hearts so i've been to loads of the gigs probably been about 10 gigs or something like that but there's always been a bit of a, a jinx as well with, with your band because um, there's always been incidents. The first time I bought a ticket, um, you you split up, so I never even got to see you. That was in the, that was in the 90s. And I was like, great. You split up a few times. I know, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. So fast forward about five, seven years, then you was playing a gig at JB's in Dudley. I think it was an infamous one this was. Something happened with Danny, which I can't really repeat on air. Oh, we sacked him on stage, didn't we? And we kicked him out. Yeah, oh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. Um, and I think, is it the guy from uh, Anti-Product, the bass player? Is it yes. Toshi? Or, sorry, yeah, He Toshi, took over yeah. and he did a, he did a few few songs. And um, that was my first experience of the Wild Arts. I was like, okay. <laughs> that's the the live vibe. But um, yeah, from there, it's, it's all been sweet. So I suppose the first question is, uh, can you explain what your tinnitus sounds like? Um, what do you hear you know go into that a little bit more right um so i mean it started it got really bad when when i i've always for the last well for 20 years i only wore one squidgy like earplug on stage and, and that was mainly for um pitching my vocals and also to isolate um one side of my head away from the rest of the band so i can hear my guitar better and um i mean that caused uh, a real batter into my right right ear and um i mean it started off as a ring like a, an intense ring which would would eventually never ever go and um i used to do a lot more more gigs than i do now and and you know i noticed the more i'd tour and the more gigs i'd play the ring it would start like metamorphosing into some sort of weird radio signal going up and down there'll be like weird like sort of wind sounds and i mean it was it was intense it would keep me up but i play in a rock and roll band so i'd self-medicate so yeah basically that's quite I common could, yeah i could wake you up hear this a lot uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i could go to sleep whenever i wanted to go to sleep so i didn't have the problem i mean i'm not like you know i didn't have to wake up and do a shift at a factory or work in the office so, you know, um, being a professional musician, being on tour, you know, I could wake up at 12, one in the afternoon and I could go to bed at 6 a.m. And we were always partying. There was always a lot of noise. It was only when it was dead quiet when you'd really, really notice it. And, you know, I'd, I'd take something and go to sleep. So it wasn't a problem until, you know, I stopped doing drugs and stopped partying. And I surrounded myself with solitude and silence because of, of how noisy my job is. That's when it became a major major issue, and I, I I realized I had to do something about this, or I wouldn't be able to play live anymore. 
So um, the step I took. So what what did what did you do? Well, it, it was advice from my drummer. Um, uh, he's always looked after his ears, and he uses uh, attenuators and he uses molds. And um, he told me to like buy some like random cheap hair, and and I found some for about thirty pounds online, and and I tried I tried them out, and at first I was just using one squidgy plug and one attenuator. Now I use both attenuators, and they you know they I use them on the on the frequency, which basically I have filters in them, and they knock everything down quite a lot, and. It's just, I mean, they protect your ears, but you can hear everything. And, and it took me a while to get used to them, but it's, uh, it's, the ringing is nowhere near as bad as it used to be. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, um, science gone into these things and you really should use them. You should really protect your ears and they do work. And thankfully, I haven't, I mean, I know I've got friends who can't play anymore because, uh, you know, yeah, it's so bad for them and and i've never reached that point and when it was really bad for me i could self-medicate it didn't become a problem it wasn't ruining my life or ruling it the next question was going to be did you ever speak to any other musicians about it is it something that is openly discussed in your opinion or is it something that's not really talked about no it is it is because from the outside looking in a lot of people don't really see uh what what goes on in in the professional music world so very sort of insular mm. and tinnitus does get mentioned every now and again but not in any kind of serious detail and there are people in the community that that i'm representing now who are literally suicidal with this it's, yeah. it's taken over their life and it's completely you know devastated them yeah and sometimes you'll see like an article that will just say oh you know the guy's got ringing and it's it, i don't know it doesn't really get into the the detail of what it can do to, to some people it, I mean, it can, I mean, uh, it, it depresses you, you know, when it's really bad, it, it can really make you down because I mean, it's constant, it isn't something that goes away. But, you know, there's, there's, I mean, musicians talk about this. It's, um, I mean, we're old school musicians, we're an old school, like rock and roll band. And you remember, most musicians these days are using in-ear monitors. So they don't, they don't get and a lot of bands don't even have amps on stage anymore. They don't have the physical volume. The back line has changed, stages. hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, a lot, lot of stages are silence now. They, they're in silence and all you're hearing is drums and they're all on in-ears. So, there's, you know, things are changing. I mean, I, I'm, I think, you know, amongst a lot of professional musicians, this isn't, this isn't, such the problem it used to be because there's there's massive you know the whole way of performing music has changed I and mean, we don't use in it and and um uh you know it's something we've looked into but you know we, we're still old school but um it is people talk about it. i know just about every old punk rock musician or rock and roll musician i know has has this and um to varying degrees as i said some of my friends have had to give up but a lot of people just live with it with the one guy paul gray i don't yeah. know if you know the bass player from the damned yeah, yeah. he uh, quit for about 20 something years yeah. because it was he was literally said he couldn't get out of the house because he couldn't stand any noise mm. i mean i i yeah, I know how, how that feels because I've, I crave solitude and peace and quiet. And I don't go and see bands now as a punter. Well, you moved to the countryside, didn't you? You moved from, like, you're still in Yorkshire. Yeah, I'm in Harrogate. It's not really the countryside. It's a bit, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so is it semi-rural? Halfway <laughs> well, there. I'm a, I can drive for 10 minutes and I'm in the middle of nowhere. And people are covered in mud and making love to sheep. But, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's, um, yeah, it's, it's all right here. I haven't been run out of town yet. So, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. But, um, yeah, I crave peace and quiet. And because I do look after my ears, things are under control. I mean, when, I mean, when it was really bad, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, like when, if you had a joint or something, it'd be the worst. You'd tune into the sound and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it would, it, it's like a form of torture. It can take over at that point, can't it? Yeah. 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 yeah I felt that. It's so, I mean, there's lots of things you can do to, to make this better. And if you're like me, where it wasn't to the point of say someone like Paul Gray, you know, start wearing plugs, start wearing, you know, start looking after his turn down on stage. You know, that whole thing, all men play on 10. No, they don't. All men play on about 0.5 now. 
you know. Yeah, well, they do. That's literally the way it's going. Uh, Big Mick, the guy who used to manage you, I think, he's Metallica's sound engineer. Yeah, he used to do our, well, he managed us and he used to do our sound. He's done our sound like off and on over the last, you know, yeah, um, God, 25, 26 years. Yeah, yeah, because I, I watched the video uh, on YouTube and he was talking about the trend in music now because uh, he was setting up a Metallica gig he was somewhere in Europe. I can't remember which country it was in, but he was talking about he reckons in the future. They won't even have speakers, in his opinion. No, he was talking won't. about they'll have these uh, con- yeah. concert earbud things they'll be handing out. It'll be like a Wi-Fi frequency yeah. feeding everybody the, the sound, and then they can have it any volume they want. It's um yeah, I mean Mick. So that's what he predicts. Yeah, Mick. Mick's pretty right about these sort of things because you know I've had conversations with him over the years, and I mean I've known him for thirty years, and and a lot of the stuff. I mean, when he was, I've seen him. He's been out on tour with us, and and sound companies are giving him cutting edge stuff to to use and try out and it's next generation of tools for sound guys and for you know um pa companies but uh, i think it was mickey told me to use a plug you know in one ear to help with my pitching all those years ago so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna sue metallica i think Hmm. (laughs) Uh, they got enough money i think they'll cover that yeah they they got them they got their money with their lives that but (laughs) (laughs) um okay so another question which is probably already been answered in some respect. This is from a bass player on the forum, and he's gutted because he's had to quit his band. And he wanted to know, how do you keep your peace of mind while still playing live? So when you're in the moment and you're playing live, is it ever on your mind that this can get this shit can get real? You know, in the morning, are you thinking um, this could be a problem, or is it? Or are you are you beyond that now? Um, yeah, I mean, with with the uh, plugs I wear now, you know, they they've they've improved everything by at least i reckon 75 percent you know the ringing is i mean i if we stop talking now i can hear it but you know we're talking now i do things to i mean i listen to a lot of music i can't sleep unless i'm listening to music or or books you know what what do you call it what are those books called (laughs) which they they dictate to you oh yeah the the narration yeah yeah yeah, i listen to like books and stuff so if i'm listening to someone talking or someone telling me a story or or gentle music i'll drift off to sleep and it isn't a problem i also said that earlier that i don't go and see bands as a punter because i protect my ears basically and i only expose myself that's actually one of the questions that's I expose myself to loud. My attitude is: if I'm going to expose myself to loud noises, I need to get paid for it. So that's the only time I I expose my ears to loud noises is when I know I'm getting paid for it, and and I treat it like a job, you know. And it's like, you know, a soldier goes to war, and and you know he has to dodge bullets. Well, I have to dodge sound in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a good analogy, actually. Because there are a lot of people in the military who have tinnitus as well. With they do. obviously with the the noise that they get exposed to. So yeah, um, yeah, that probably answers one of the other questions that was really common that everybody wanted me to ask you, and that was if you go somewhere loud, do you wear earplugs? So if it's not like a concert, but like a loud bar, but I suppose you don't really go to these places anymore based on what you've just said no, i don't no I'm, i mean I, I i mean i'm 51 i mean i'm not going to nightclubs and hanging out with kids and stuff i mean and like nightclubs for 51 i'm not a normal 51 year old i mean you know I, I don't want to go out to a club and listen to level 42 you know shit <laughs> <laughs> okay um the other thing was have you got any hyperacusis that was another question which basically means does okay so if you hear a sound does it cause you any pain in your ears which is something paul gray had quite bad actually which is one of the reasons why you quit yeah ed, ed, ed sheeran that caused me a bit of pain when i hear ed sheeran singing <laughs> yeah and florence and the machine and oh, who else um oh god adele kills me yeah is that what you meant <laughs> well <laughs> that's one aspect to it yeah as long as it's making some kind of noise yeah for sure they cause me a lot of pain yes for some weird reason oh i'm jess glynn all right this is right. God's honest truth, right? Jess Glynn has a frequency in her her voice that hurts my teeth. You know, when like when you feel like your fillings are rattling. Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. And um, that's when my, when my daughter screams, that happens. Yes, it's similar to that. But um, Jess Glynn's the only singer who does that. And whenever she comes on the radio, I have I have to turn her off. And I thought it was just me, but she does it to. I've, I've heard other people talking about it. She has some weird tonal thing going on and yeah she hurts me the jess glenn that's the sound yeah it kills me 
Interesting. It's true. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I believe you. I believe you. Mm. Like the other thing was food. Does food affect the way you hear your tinnitus? Because for some people, they reckon they can eat something and then it goes louder. Really? And it bothers them a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I was actually going to talk about your chili sauce because your devil spit. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, chili sauce is one of the the things. Now, when I bought Mabel from the pledge mm. uh, thing that you you set up a while back, yeah. I uh, bought some of that devil spit stuff and it, and I, you know, I don't even eat hot sauce. I don't know why I even bought it. I thought I'll give it a crack. So it had beer in it or something. So I thought that, that sounds all right. I'll have some of that. Uh. And it absolutely blew a hole in the side of my head. So you can see how weak I am. Cause that was kind of a mild sauce really, wasn't it? It wasn't like a hot pot. Don't eat any of my sauces. They're all mild for me. I mean, I, I, I put like uh, reaper powder or scorpion powder and they these are super, super hot chilies. Oh, it's like the Carolina Reapers. They're like the hottest ones, aren't they? One of the hottest, but it's my favorite chili. But I, I put spice in everything and I always have since I was about, I don't know, about 11 or something. My my parents, my mum was the same as well, put spice on everything. So I, um, I like it really hot. Um, I get depressed if I don't have spicy food, and, you know, so, and I've never seen any correlation between eating spicy food and sounds getting noisier in my head although i do hear voices when i have a really hot curry it is quite rare so i wouldn't imagine it's uh, like on the common end of the spectrum but some people do report certain foods can you know change the sound that they hear um i was going to talk about some of the charity work that you've done before i know ginger in particular has done a lot of mental health yes yeah charity didn't he sell his guitar for like 17 grand or something like that yeah, it was it was auction, but that was for the Japanese um, tsunami fund. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was there was some Samaritan work that he did as well, if I remember correctly. I think he did a song called "Fuck You, Brain." Yes, yes, that yeah. I think it was one of his solo. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. I can't remember what it was for, but it was. Um, um, yeah, it was for some some charity. Yeah, I don't pay much attention to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't actually. I, I mean, I very rarely lis- listen to music as well. It's um we've we've recently been doing like a kind of um I listen to music in the car. It's where because I, I I have more control over it. But I um the only time I, I tend to listen to music on headphones is is when I'm mixing or recording, and I uh, I try and like limit hearing yeah. like um much music. So um uh, some people think like you know I'm not paying attention. It's just I, I'm protecting my an asset in it. Being able to hear and being a musician are two really important things. So it's really important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So day to day, would you say it no longer bothers you or, or it does bother you? You know, on an average day, do you really think about it much or is it just something in the background? The, the minute it's really, really quiet, I think about it all the time. So, um, but because I'm protecting my ears now, the ringing has, has um, subsided quite a lot, but it's always there, but it, it has to be completely, um, you know, peaceful and quiet. And it's at a level which I can stand you know, I, I don't, I don't actually mind it. I've got, you, you get used to it. And I've got used to it, and it hasn't taken over my life, so I don't see it as a, a, a real problem anymore. Because some of the members report that the noise is so loud that it's like a jet engine or a train. Heard, yeah, you know, something you can hear over all back, yeah, any background noise, and it doesn't matter. It won't cover it. It's just prominent in their brain. 24/7. I mean, that is just. So I think that is the extreme end of the spectrum. That's when it gets, yeah. yeah. That is torture. I mean, I know I've damaged my ears, but so have um, 99.9% of other musicians out there who've played as much as I have and toured. You know, it's just one of those things. But as I said, you know, technology is changing now and I can't see this being a, a major problem in the future. There was one question that someone wanted me to ask. Um, I don't know if you ever met Lemmy. I know Ginger did. Yeah, we toured him Motorhead. And, um... Did he mention his ears much? Did he ever talk about his tinnitus or did he never really bring it up? Mm, no. No, no, he used to, I mean, he used to chop out wicked lines of speed. <laughs> but um, we've all, I mean, we've all known Lemmy since the 80s and, and we did quite a long tour with them, um, yeah, quite a while back. I can't remember when, but um, no, but I mean, he, he, Lemmy hated bass, believe it or not. Really? As a bass player? And um, on stage, yeah, yeah, on stage, you have no bass. And if you listen to his bass sound, there's hardly any bottom end on it. And you look at his amps, there's no bass. It's, it was so cutting and, and it just kind of so middly and trebly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really strange being a bass player and he didn't, you know, like bass. So, yeah, he had a very, I mean, it, it got even more treblier as, as, you know, he got older. And I don't know if that, that probably had something to do with his ears. 
it could have done. I've actually heard that from, because uh, I teach guitar as well. One of my students told me that he went to a Lemmy gig and said at the end, he used to come back out and do like his bass solo or something. And he said it was really trebly. It wasn't like, it used to cut through. And he said it was, yeah, a bizarre sort of sound that he had. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really, really trebly. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard of it. I mean, he had such a distinctive sound and um, it's, it's uh, Danny, our bass player, Danny McCormack, he has touches of Lemmy in his sound and we, we actually made him, when he rejoined the band um, last year, we asked him to add a bit more bottom end to his, um, the sound man and, and myself and um, I think Richie as well. So could, could you, and, and he complied and added a bit, bit more bottom end to the sound, but he has, he has a touch of Lemmy in there. I think it's because he only has one leg and um, yeah, he can't hear properly. Cool. Right. Let's talk about the new album. So let's do a bit of promotion. So Renaissance Men. When's it out? It's um, out May 3rd, and it's our first um, studio album in 10 years, believe it or not. So um, it's um, it's quite a big, it's, well, it is a really big deal for us because, you know, um, most bands don't leave it, you know, for 10 years between albums. But, you know, we're, we're a band who's had a lot of ups and downs and, you know, we we've, we we tend to to have a lot of drama in this band, but you know we're volatile and you know sometimes we fall out. But we're all on the same page now, and we're all getting on, and we all really really like our album. So I can't wait for it to come out. I can't wait to start touring. No, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to the album. Really looking forward to it. The last one, Hut's Part, I thought that was a great album as well. Yeah, that was, I mean... Uh, I can't believe it's been 10 years. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. 10 years ago since that came out. It's crazy. 2009, Hut's came out. So, yeah, it's... um No, two, yeah, 2009. What are we in? 2018 now. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was 2009. It was 10 years ago it came out. Yeah, it's like... um it's, It is... We're two, yeah, we're 2019 now, aren't we? So, yeah, it's exactly 10 years. So. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's 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 weird. it's It just doesn't make any sense. And uh, I, I suppose we're quite lucky that we have loyal fans, so they haven't really disappeared, our fans. So, you know, we are we are lucky. So when you're in the studio, is there any different way that you record now because of tinnitus? Do you, does that come into the equation? You know, are you even thinking about that or is it not really a thing? Yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, everything's changed. The whole recording process has changed and and you know um you're not standing by amps anymore like we used to do back in the day we used to you know and a lot of the times we would you know we'd be actually be in a live room just battering our ears with volume and we don't do that anymore and we don't you know we're not list we used to like when we used to listen back to mixes you know we'd hear them on huge speakers and it'll be blaring i mean it's just ridiculous volumes and you know that doesn't happen anymore and you know, if, if someone wants to listen to something loud, I'll leave the room. But, you know, it very rarely happens, you know. Um, and every, everything, everything, volume, everything, there's so much control over it these days, you know. And I, I think a lot of people forget that you do have a volume button. You know, you can actually turn things down. They don't need to be played like blaring all the time. So I think, I think a lot of it's growing up, you know. Yeah, it's all Pro Tools and that now as well. So it's all sort of yeah. chopped and... You just record it in sections, and it's it's yeah. very different to the the 70s way where you're all standing in a room, yeah, record as one band. Yes. I mean that's not been done for for years, has it? Yeah, thank God. That's when the real the real musicians are around when you have to actually be seriously good. We cut we cut our teeth, you know, on on you know it, we were, we record. I mean, Earth versus you know, fuck, we're all recorded on tape, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, we made, we all made lots of albums and recorded lots of songs on tape, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I like technology and I like the way things are now and I would never want to go back to analog. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those older musicians harking back to how good it was in the eighties. It sucked. Jesus Christ. I mean, and I love the way, I love the fact that, kids can make music in their bedroom they know what they're doing they can make great sounding sonically great sounding music and you don't have to like go and you know suck corporate cock anymore and and things have changed (laughs) exactly things have changed there's a bit there's a little bit more power in the hands of musicians now a lot more power in fact oh for sure for sure social media you can promote yourself you go on youtube facebook as long as you can get a a crowd to listen to you yeah follow your music Make sure the music is good. Mm. You know, yep. who needs a record label now, really? Yeah, power to the people. 
That's the one. <laughs> All right, CJ, we'll wrap it up there. But thanks again for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a really nice. I'm a huge fan. I'll be buying the album. Yeah, it's been really good, really good. I, I didn't know what to expect, and but um, this, I wish more interviews could be like this. Sweet. <laughs> so I like to just uh, keep it keep it lighthearted. Thanks a lot, anyway. Sweet man. See you later, man. All right, take care. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our interview with CJ Wildheart. You might be interested to learn that Ed, who conducted the interview, is a musician himself. He still teaches music but had to give up performing because of his tinnitus. For our next segment, I talked to him about this. We also discussed issues around noise exposure in general, how much is too much, and on the flip side of the coin, being overly avoidant of everyday sounds, as well as, of course, his impression of the CJ interview and tinnitus in the music scene. Before we continue, we did want to take a quick moment to ask if you're enjoying this episode so far and to please consider donating. If you're willing to support us financially, even with just a few dollars, we'll be able to reach even higher quality standards, and we can, for instance, travel to interview the most interesting guests. You can find all the information about making donations on our podcast page at tinnitustalk.com podcast. Today we have a very special guest. It's also a fellow forum member, Ed209. Thank you for joining us, Ed. No problem. So today we have a very interesting topic. Uh, regarding musicians and tinnitus. I know Ed is a musician. It's something that he does in his daily life. He teaches guitar lessons. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I'll teach guitar. I've been teaching for over 10 years now. But you weren't always just a guitar teacher. Yeah, I, I, I've played in a few bands. I've performed live. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's one of the big parts of my life. Right. I was also... Um, when I was younger, I was a musician too, but not in the sense that it was my livelihood. And tinnitus has definitely affected my ability to play music also in a sense. I mean, we can get into that later, but... Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, once you get tinnitus to the level that, that we've got it, obviously we've both got it pretty bad, um, then it totally does affect music, especially if you're a live performer. There is no question. Unless you're like some kind of, um, I don't know, mentally deranged person who just thinks it's normal to have you know like a really loud siren and hissing noises and wind noises in your brain all day long then yeah sounds like uh, Ozzy Osbourne or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure we'll jump back to the beginning so when exactly did tinnitus become a part of your life and, and how did it happen okay good question if, if you want to talk about how it happened yeah yeah for sure um okay so when I was about 18 I remember I was in the gym with a good friend of mine and I remember hearing uh, a noise, like a ringing noise. And I thought, okay, what's, what's that? It was a little bit concerning at the time. Um, I knew what it was. I knew it was tinnitus because years before that, there was a program called uh, Tomorrow's World in the UK. It's a science program. And there was a man on there which always sort of stayed in my memory and he had really bad tinnitus, essentially. And they were talking about the treatments of, at the time and what tinnitus was and all that. And it kind of freaked me out. And I thought, man, I really hope I don't get something like that. That sounds really bad. Um, so when I heard it in the gym, I thought, this seems to be that tinnitus thing I saw on the TV years ago. Um, I went home, I remember looking on online, but it was kind of in its infancy back then. The internet wasn't what it is today. There, are, I remember looking at some really basic forums and I read a few posts and I kind of um, just put it to bed. It wasn't really bad, but I'd never went down the rabbit hole at that point in time. Mm -hmm. It kind of, um, it was there. I mean, I could hear it while I was watching the TV, for example. So, you know, it was what I consider mild, but it might be someone else's moderate. You know, who knows? I don't know what the scale is and nobody else does, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I could hear this ringing noise. I distinctly have memories of watching a movie that night. I think it was a Van Damme film where he's in prison or something. Maybe it's a terrible movie. But all I have is a memory of having this ringing noise whilst I was watching it. So you fast forward uh, maybe a few months later, it's still there, but it's not kind of on my mind. You know, it wasn't affecting me mentally speaking, but I had a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of other issues back then. Um, so it wasn't a priority on my list, so to speak. Maybe that made a difference in how my brain kind of wired it up. I don't know. I remember reading books at night and it, and it was there in the background. Chris Martin came out around that time a few years later. And he, he, that was the time when he said he had tinnitus. And it was all over the news and stuff like that. 
I remember I was in the supermarket thinking, I've still got that noise that he's talking about. So it was still there. It's just that I never really thought about it on a daily basis or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that was when I was about 18 or 19, all of this kind of, you know, was going on. So, you know, I'm still playing in live bands. I'm rehearsing. You know, these these rooms are really noisy. They're small because they're trying to save space. So the rehearsal rooms are not the biggest in the first place. So, you know, you're standing next to a drummer, essentially, with a cymbal next to your ear. You'll have a bass amp on the other <laughs> ear. You know, it's crazy. It's like the size of a shoebox in there. So there's a lot of noise, a lot of sort of resonant frequencies where the room would rattle and your brain would be buzzing. And it's when you look back, it's crazy, really, that I never sort of put earplugs in especially when i knew i already had a mild form of tinnitus but because it never bothered me you know you kind of uh, it's, a, it's a hard thing to describe it just wasn't really on my priority list i never really saw it being a problem so i kind of just phased it out of my consciousness at the time so we fast forward to the age of 32 um it was a really heavy month of of gigs going to gigs watching bands you know, general noise, basically. A week before the event that I blame for my tinnitus getting worse, I was at a live venue uh, watching, I think there were three bands on that night. Uh, I was with a good friend of mine. Um, a week after that, it was the event that I blame for my tinnitus getting worse. And I have to explain the acoustics in this place were, you know, they're really bad. It's just brick walls everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to sort of dampen the sound. So it's very, very reflective. I was right at the front, which is even worse. And it's only a small place. It's a bar, basically. And the band were just really loud. And I remember thinking at the time, and this is where the guilt factor comes in, I remember thinking to myself, I really should step outside for a moment here because this is like, this is hurting my ears. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking around at other people. I remember scanning the room and looking at other people's faces to see if anybody else seemed to be bothered. And nobody was, you know, people nodding their heads and I thought, you know, maybe it's just me. I just need to sort of man up and enjoy the music. That's one of the biggest problems I had getting over it in the first place because that guilt of not sort of leaving the room or, or doing something about it when I had a chance. Yeah, that, that was a problem for me. Um, so anyway, after the gig finished. All right, sorry, just, just to cut in, actually, to talk about that guilt thing, because I see a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, that, that I, I think that is a... That is a big issue. If if there is any way you can blame yourself for tinnitus happening, I think it adds to the problem, and I think it adds to the mental burden. I've had like a couple sound exposures that were a little crazy, and, and one of them was at actually a concert as well. Um, and when when I think about that, it, it's I don't I I can understand how certain people will blame themselves and feel guilty. We've seen threads about this, and people talk about this all the time. And it's an intense feeling for some people, the anxiety and guilt that they feel for causing that on themselves or the anger and like the, the, the I know, quote unquote hatred that they have for someone else who did it to them um, unintentionally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in my opinion, like the way I completely got over it and just it, it maybe was bothered me for a little while and maybe this was just my personal experience, but... I just said to myself, you know what? If that didn't get me, something else would have. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's you, you've hit the nail on the head there because that's the thought process I had to go through to kind of destabilize, you know, to restabilize myself because I was I was losing the plot, right? And um, you have to kind of reassess and realize, you know, use some rational thought and rational thinking and think. Actually, if this wasn't going to be the gig that I was going to do, you can be damn sure somewhere down the line this was going to happen. I mean, I'm 32. By the time I was 40, this was going to be the situation. I'm 100% sure about that. Right. So maybe, you know, it was kind of a wake-up call. It was going to happen, whether it was that day or a week later or a year later. It it would have happened at some point. Because, you know, the amount of gigs I've been to and clubs and bars and stuff, you know, my ears have took a battering over the years. You you know, it's inescapable. At some point, it was going to happen. I mean, at the age of 18, I already had it, you know, in a milder form. If it's a single noise event that that happens, which I, that that kind of happened with me, and, and, I, and the way you describe it, it kind of happened. Yours were like, okay, I can pinpoint it was this. Yeah. For some reason, those people who have that, there's a lot of people who ha- have that guilt, and not so much the people who like who have the issue where it's like, oh, I was listening to loud music with headphones like every day for years, and then it kind of built up. 
Yeah. Those, for some reason, those people are just like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't one event. It was over time. I was stupid about it. But I remember like, it's okay to like, in my opinion, to feel like that. Like I think back on like what I've done in my life and, you know, maybe it was, I think I feel genetics definitely plays kind of a role in this. It's not just hearing because. I agree with that. My, my dad's got it as well. So I agree. There's, there's something genetic going on because my dad's got it really severely. So, and he worked in low places as well. Yeah. My grandfather had it. My parents had it. Yeah. He worked in factories and stuff like that. So he's, he's got damage to his ears. He can barely hear now. And he's got, mm-hmm. you know, really bad ringing. What I would consider, you know, severe tinnitus, the real deal, you know, the stuff where you, you, it's hard to hear what people are saying because the noise, the ringing, the, the jet engine, so to speak, right? you know, it kind of takes over. So that's what he's got. But I'd just like to add to that. And I took some flack on the forum for this, but it doesn't, it doesn't bother him. And I had no idea why. I'm not saying that to kind of, you know, sort of ruin anybody else's uh, opinion on, on what it can do to their mental health. I'm just saying there are some weird instances of people having loud tinnitus where they don't seem bothered by it. Yeah, I think even Dr. Ross Checker, I think it was Dr. Ross Checker. Yeah. Someone was even talking about how it, it like the severity of someone's tinnitus isn't necessarily the, the loudness. Someone can have really low, uh, low sound level tinnitus and it could cause them more distress and quote unquote severity than someone who has louder tinnitus. Whether I know a lot of people are going to, obviously, like you said, a lot of people in the forum and in general may may disagree and get upset about yeah. that fact. But that that is a fact that there are people who who have different levels of tinnitus, but the sever the quote unquote severity of it about how intensely it affects them is is vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's and they don't. I think in the Dr. Ross checker, they were talking about how they don't, they don't really understand why, like whether it's a limbic system thing connection or. Yeah, that's exactly that, isn't it? I think that's where the limbic system hypothesis came from in the first place, which has been working on for, for many years. This is also linked in with chronic pain as well, because they also think, you know, people who feel pain all over their bodies all of the, or, you know, all the time, it, it's a, something going on in the limbic system of the brain. And we're not quite sure why some people hear these noises or feel the pain but some people do some people don't so there's obviously some kind of gating mechanism yeah because hearing loss you know there's many people around the planet that we've all got hearing loss to some degree nobody keeps all of their hearing you know we can measure the upper frequencies and everybody on the planet has got upper frequency loss unless you're a mutant or something right you know it's, it's inevitable we we lose hair cells as we age even if we don't expose our ears to noise you know i've essentially got perfect hearing according to the audiologist yeah me yeah <laughs> me too yeah but you know i haven't i haven't got sort of like a you know i've got really bad tinnitus i would consider mine severe like i said before when i had the milder form when i was 18 what happened at that gig on the monday morning it was i remember waking up and i thought my life was over i was i couldn't believe that what was in my brain was even possible you know it really shocked me it was one of those gut-wrenching moments where i remember feeling physically sick yeah and i lost the plot i really didn't know what to do i was sort of panicking i remember looking for specialist numbers ent numbers and this is asap you know i was on the phone looking for who who i could get help from i remember calling a, a, a doctor it was either that day or the following day i got an appointment i remember i think it was on a thursday because it was the same week I was that desperate. I was like, please give me anything you've got. I need to see someone. And I remember going down there. I saw the guy and he essentially told me if it doesn't go away, these were his exact words at the time. If it doesn't go away in six months, it's likely going to be permanent. You'll Essentially, it will be with you probably for the rest of your life. But he did give me that window of opportunity by saying, you know, it could go away in the next mm-hmm. six months. That's what he was trying to tell me. He did an audiogram. He said my hearing was fine. You know, the whole time I'm kind of sitting there thinking, what do I do? What do I do? You know, I'm really panicking at this point. And he said, um, I, the other thing I remember him saying is that you need to avoid loud noise. That was one of the things that also stuck with me that he told me. But when he said loud noise, he wasn't really talking about, you know, some of the stuff that we see on the forum with, with you know, like slamming doors and stuff like that. He, you know, I never would agree with that, like, there's going to be noises in your life you can't be afraid of every loud sound out there but there's a huge difference between 
sort of like a, a slamming door or a toilet seat falling down mm-hmm. and going to a club or a concert, they're, they're worlds apart. They're, they're, the intensity is, is on another scale. And they're not even they're not even comparable, you know. They're, they're completely different things. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really realize that it's. I mean, I mean, a lot of people realize. I don't want to sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I think in general, it's it's not it's not just the level of sound; it's the duration of it too. It's the duration, exactly that. Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of people sometimes will hear a sound, and if they're in a if you're in a quiet environment, and you hear a sound. And it's louder than the other sounds in the room. You sometimes go into overdrive and think, oh my God, that was so loud. And it'll startle you. And then you'll think that it was super loud when sounds that startle you seem significantly louder than they are. There is a startle reflex, isn't there? And it does trigger adrenaline and heightened senses and your your body kicks into fight or flight mode. And, you know, that is part of the especially if you're conditioning yourself to be afraid of, of right. sounds like that. So, you know, then you're basically essentially teaching your brain to be afraid at that point. It's like conditioning yourself to be afraid of a dog. My wife is, is terrified of dogs, any dog. It could be the most friendly, cuddliest looking dog you have ever seen in your life. And she will run a mile. She's petrified of dogs. And she relates it to an incident when she was younger, when a dog uh, who was being walked sort of jumped up and, and nipped her on the leg. Now, her mental state then kind of changed towards dogs from that day onwards. And now she's scared of all dogs and she will have a physiological response to just seeing a dog. She will really, you know, palms will go sweaty and she will lose the plot. She gets petrified. Now that is just classic sort of conditioning. It's a phobia to essentially a non-threatening situation. I think, I think, and I see a lot of people with tinnitus who seem to be in the same position. It, It becomes a phobia. To, to irrational sounds, sounds that aren't necessarily damaging. It doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, their psyche grabs hold of this and it says, right, this is damaging your ears, be afraid. And, you know, they'll hear a noise that's sort of non-threatening, just a moderately loud noise that most people on the planet are going to hear, you know, maybe 50, 60 times a day. But to them, it's like the end of the world. They're going to overdrive, your mental processing kicks in. Was it dangerous? Check my tinnitus. Yeah. Is it louder? It's this cycle of fear and, and irrational thoughts. You know, you start going within yourself to listen if it's got worse or not. And I was the same. I was the same after mine got worse for a long time. I read a lot of the posts on the forum. And to be honest, they, they make me go worse. I, I almost sort of regretted sort of going down the rabbit hole, if, if you know what I mean. No, yeah, for sure. Um, because, because, I was just, I wasn't functioning really. You know, I, I, I had a band set up at the time and we was about to do some some gigs and stuff, some some better gigs. It was going to be a better situation for me. And I quit. You know, I just remember sending out the text to my bass player and saying, look, man, my ears, there's, there's something going on. I need to, to cut out my live music for a while. And when, you know, when I sent that text, when I said a while, I thought maybe a year. Little did I realize that even now, four years later, I, I still haven't played live, still haven't gotten over that hurdle yet. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, initially those first few months, I, you know, getting into the the mental aspects of it, I was suicidal. I was literally beside myself. I wasn't functioning. I stayed in bed for a week. I couldn't even get up. I was just not functioning. It, it just ruined my life. It really took over. You know, these intense feelings that I read all the time. I, I've felt every bit of everybody out there when they talk about this condition i know exactly what that feels like it is horrible horrendous something you never you never want to go through again it's really bad yeah but anyway jumping back to the music aspect a quick story i remember when i was in high school and we were playing a music gig at a school uh it was i think it was like it was like a battle of the bands or, or a talent show or something like that and the person the technician that was working the sound, the stage and everything like that. At one point he had all the bands come up for their sound check and he, he was holding a device and I didn't know what the device was and he would have us play. And I thought it was maybe like a, some electrical device he was like looking at as, as we would play and he'd say, Oh, turn your volume down, turn your volume down. And what I know is now he was, he had a sound, he had a sound, uh, measure in his hand, a decibel measure. And he was measuring how loud our sound was. And he was, making us turn down our music to a point that was safe. 
um, it didn't click with me until years later, until now. There's a story similar for me. We was playing a wedding uh, once and there was a, a meter on the wall and a red light kept coming on. I remember we spoke to the manager and we, we said, what's that red light on the wall? And he said, uh, well, he, actually, I'll tell a lie. They never actually got to the red light. It was kind of like a, a band and it was green and then it went into orange and there was like a, a red strip at the top. Right. And it's obviously it was to do with volume. And we was like, what's the deal with, with this on the wall? And the manager said, if it touches the red, it cuts the equipment out. It's the safety level of sound yeah. for the venue. And we'd never seen that before. We was like, really? Really? I, I... And he's like, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know what the trip point would be, but it was probably like 85 dB or maybe more than that, actually. It should, probably more like 90 or 95. But there was a trip point, so it would kill the sound if it went above a certain threshold, which was visually wide. It was visually wide into the venue, so the band could actually see it right in front of you on the wall. So you could see what kind of volume you was hitting. To be honest, I feel like a lot more places should have something like that in place. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like when you think about it, like concerts it aren't regulated sound wise. There's noise levels, not for the people inside, but for it bothering people in their homes or in their apartments. But I, I, I'm still surprised that in today's day and age, when we have safety protection for pretty much everything, when it comes to bar level sounds in the bar, concert level sounds, there's no regulation. It just amazes me that that's still not a thing. And there's no, there's no education either. You know, even if you just educated people at school about the dangers, what can happen, then they could take earplugs and there's other precautions you could take. You could avoid places that are too loud, but people just don't know. There's no education around this at all. It's, I don't I don't get it because hearing loss affects everyone. That's a, that's pretty much a universal fact. I mean, there are probably some freak superhumans out there who, as they age, they don't lose their hearing, but everyone has some level of hearing loss from when you were born, regardless of whether it comes from. But what is it? It's like 20, right now, it's like 20% of people have tinnitus. And I've talked with other researchers and pharmaceutical people about this and the people who are going into tinnitus research and uh, looking into pharmaceutical drugs regarding tinnitus. And they've and I've talked with them about how they've seen and, and done studies about the fact that that number is going to skyrocket. Not, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but that number is going to go up um, in the near future because the baby, baby boomer generation is about to hit that age where they start naturally losing their hearing a lot faster and tinnitus is going to be very prevalent in their lives. But not only that, the levels of sound we expose ourselves to today is significantly louder than they were in the past. So tinnitus is going to be a very big problem in, in the very near future. It is. It's a, it's, a, it's a big problem now. You could argue it costs the UK economy $2 billion, I think the, 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 the report was, yeah? Yeah, it costs the US $4 billion. Is it the US economy? Wow, see, that already that's, that's a problem. Yeah, that's just for the military, though. Um, that's not that's not for like research purposes that's just paying out from what i read for uh from an article that i saw is that it was just from what was it wasn't research i don't think no it was just paying out disability that's what it was disability for tinnitus i'm sure it was two billion in the uk economy based on lost work and lost taxes and and stuff like that so you really would think there'd be more attention paid to it but there really isn't is there no Nobody really kind of looks into it. No one really, on a government level, nobody steps up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> God. I, I wish people would just say, hey, instead of putting a Band-Aid on this problem, why don't we fix the problem? <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we, we, we've diverged again. Uh, jumping back. Uh, so obviously you're a musician and you have tinnitus. Do you come across a lot of people in your field of work that also have tinnitus as musicians? as everyday musicians, not necessarily just big name rock stars? Okay, that's a good question. And it depends what stage in the career or what age you're talking about. Because in the early days when you, you're just doing gigs with you know your band in, the, in your local city, that kind of thing, you don't hear about it at all. From my point of view, I don't remember anybody ever coming up to me saying, oh, I've got really bad ringing in my ears, or you need to watch the sound of that amp, you're going to get bad tinnitus or... Nothing like that ever came up in any conversation in any rehearsal room that, that I was ever involved with. Right. Any band, any venue, never 
never heard about it. In fact, the only time I did was there was a guy I used to play with. Uh, his name was Joe, and he was a really good player, really good blues player. And we was just doing a sound engineering course at the time. And I remember we had these uh, yellow earplugs in. I was like, Joe, what are you, what are you wearing earplugs for? Because at the time, we are like 18, 19. It's like nobody was wearing earplugs. And I was like, what are you, what are you wearing earplugs? And he said, I, I don't want to get tinnitus. And that's the only thing that stands out in my mind. And he's the only guy who I can ever have any recollection of talking about it. And I thought, okay, he's sort of ahead of the curve there. Because looking back retrospectively, he, he was on the right path. Later on, so now that I've got it, it's kind of a different story because it's almost like you open Pandora's box and you realize everybody's got it then. But I'm the, usually the guy who instigates the conversation. So, you know, I might say to a, a drummer or a bass player or, or whatever, like if you, you know, you just bring it up somehow in the conversation and say, do you ever get tinnitus or ringing? I find that many of the people who I speak to have got it, like a lot, like it's a, a significant number. It's not something that where they go, no, 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 I've never heard of it, or what's that, or no, I haven't got any ringing. I usually find that most of them do. I don't know if that's because we're just all older, right. or if it's um, it's just because I'm bringing it up. Yeah, I know. Maybe if I wasn't talking about it, I still wouldn't be hearing about it. You know, it's one of those things. I suppose you hear about it more if you've got it bad yourself, because then you're more likely to talk about it. Right, yeah, I, I know. Which ties in with what CJ said, really, because CJ hit a point in his life where it was bad for him. And he said that most of the musicians he spoke to had it bad as well, or they had it at least, you know, and, and they were openly talking about it. So I wouldn't say it's a big secret or anything like that. I would genuinely say people only talk about it if it's an issue. And if it's not, then you won't really hear about it. Right. Yeah, I, I've, I know some musicians who do have tinnitus and uh, they, they still play gigs, surprisingly. And I mean, not, not to say that you can't play gigs if you have tinnitus, but um, like I'm, I'm referencing myself when I say surprisingly, we're like, I, I, I couldn't do that myself, but they still play gigs. They wear hearing protection. They're, they're, they're safe about it. One of them even mentioned to me that they do actually carry a sound meter with them when they go and they play gigs and they do, when they do their sound check, they sound check it where it's at, like, it's not going to be super loud, but it's, it's around 80 decibels, which is relatively safe. Um, for not extended periods of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one guy. I think I posted this story on the the forum. Um, I think he was the the organ player or the keyboard player. It may have been the bass player because I know they both had it. I was essentially talking to this one guy because uh, the drummer who used to be in in the band I was in, he knew a couple of guys, and he kind of mentioned it in in conversation one day that they had it. So. One day he was at his 40th birthday party and I saw these guys. I thought, well, I'll go and have a conversation with them about it because I saw he, he got his uh, custom molds out and he put them in. So I thought, well, I've got mine. It's a conversation point. So I remember going over and, and talking to him about it. And I said, like, you know, what's your tinnitus like? And did you, you know, have you got over it yet? And what's the deal with you still playing live and all that kind of stuff? And he told me it took him about three years to get over it and that he used to be obsessed with it, you know, and he'd be comparing it to, which day was worse and is it better today or and all that kind of stuff though so you know internal thoughts and feelings that he was he was going through <laughs> and he said after about three years he kind of just stopped doing it and he kind of got over it and it was no longer really a problem for him and that he still plays live and at this point it was the other guy whether it's the bass player or the keyboard player I can't remember which way around it was he kind of joined the conversation. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got that as well. And he got his earplugs out. Everyone was like comparing ear molds. Because I remember he had like this really freakily long ear canal molds that was like way longer than mine. <laughs> it, it was like, oh, does that not go through your eardrum and into your brain? Because they looked insanely long. But that just shows, you know, how unique, you know, everybody's anatomy is as well. Even the ear canal can be vastly different from one person to another. Um, but yeah, they, they both said that they still gig, they still play live, and that it no longer affects them on a day-to-day -day basis. I remember the one guy even telling me that he thinks his has got worse, and I thought, really? And he's playing live, and yeah, and he was nodding his head. So yeah, that's one story of you know the kind of things that I hear. But there's a few stories similar to that. Since I've got it bad, it seems that you know everybody I talk to seems to have it. Do you think that musicians? accept it as part of 
hazards of the job? Or do you think it's one of those things where they don't know about it until it's too late? Like once you know about it, it's kind of too late because you, you already got it in, in, in the musician world. Or do you think it's more of a, ah, uh, you know about it going into it, but it's, it, it's a risk, but you take the risk or is it, you don't know about it till it's yeah, there. Bit of both because I knew about tinnitus. Like I said, I, I knew about it from the program I saw when I was a kid. So it was, it was always there as something that I knew existed. But it's that same old philosophy that all humans fall into the trap that it won't happen to me. It's something that you know, the other person will get. I'll be fine. You know, nothing bad happens to me. I'll be fine. You know, that kind of invincible mentality. I suppose a bit of it comes down to that. And the other thing would be just ignorance. Then there are people who just don't know about it, right? And you know they they blast their ears in ignorance because they just don't know what can happen. Yeah, that's the kind of the downfall of human ignorance. Is hey, it's not going to happen to me. I don't got to worry about it. Unfortunately, <laughs> and that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? That's how we all think. You don't get into your car every morning and think, right, I'm going to crash and die today, right? But it could happen. No, but. It's it's that kind of thing, you know. You, it's not really on your mind because you're not really until it happens. It's not really a priority or something that you you worry about. But you could say that about, about lots of stuff, couldn't you? Really, not just tinnitus, but many aspects of life are kind of under the same umbrella. No, no, yeah, you're right. You're definitely right in in that regard. It's uh, <laughs> it's rather sad, but you can't really change people's minds until something changes their minds for them. Um, all right. So let's see here. Um, so what were some highlights? Obviously everyone by now has listened to the, the CJ interview you did. Was there anything in that interview that kind of was a highlight for you or any interesting aspects of it that you didn't really think about before? It kind of reaffirmed what, what I already knew when he said, I, I asked him, do other musicians talk about it? And he said, yeah, you know, a lot of the people who knew already had it, which kind of reflects what, what I found out as well. Stand out. Not so sure. His answers kind of reflected my own right. thoughts and opinions. Really, I, it kind of reaffirmed what what I already knew to some to, to some degree. But I suppose one, yeah, a good point that he made was that when you're successful, um, there tends to be drugs and parties involved, which kind of disguises the fact that there's a problem because you're always high or you're partying, mm-hmm. so you don't realise it's an issue. Like for him, it became an issue when he was no longer taking drugs and then he was kind of in solitude and he, he you know, he's in quiet environments more often. And then he thought, actually, this thing in my ears is a problem now. Yeah. And that's when he needed to seek out help for it. So I think that's maybe one of the factors that people don't realize with famous people is that I'm not saying they all take drugs and they're all high and partying all the time, but if they're a younger band, that's probably a factor in why it's not an issue because it's like it's like alcohol abuse, drug abuse, kind of camouflage is the problem, doesn't it? It's a bit like the film A Star Is Born is kind of camouflaging his ear problems by drinking yeah. all the time and getting drunk. That's one of the big aspects of the film and he's in the same boat, you know, he's a rock star. So, I mean, it's obviously prevalent and people know about this stuff, but think that is a factor if you're famous right because of the culture surrounding fact the guys that you know that they take drugs and they party and stuff i think it only comes down when you stop that stuff and you you kind of come back to the real world and you you know you're surrounded by a bit more i suppose the word would be normality and then you realize actually this ringing noise is a big deal now right because there's nothing to hide anymore yeah, it's definitely not a uh, it's not a normal thing in the in the slightest. CJ was quite, I'd say he was quite candid about how you know his experience with it and stuff. Yeah, and that's fantastic. We 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 need more people who are who are famous who have these who have the ability to push awareness to to come out and talk about it in in a serious, non sugar coated sense. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, folks. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview. If you want to read more background information about our podcast or leave comments, please visit our own podcast page at tinnitustalk.com slash podcast. Here you can also get access to transcripts of our episodes through the CC button on the player. And we've also created timestamps for each episode, allowing you to jump straight to different sections of the episode depending on which topics you're most interested in listening to. 
Also, on the Tinnitus Talk support forum, that's tinnitustalk.com, you will find a sub-forum entirely dedicated to this podcast. We'd love to hear your ideas and suggestions for future episodes there. We want this to be an interactive experience for you guys. Finally, we'd like to ask you to subscribe to our podcast through whatever your preferred platform is, and don't forget to rate us and leave a review. I'd also like to thank Ed for taking the time to interview CJ and for helping us with setting this entire interview up. Thanks again, Ed. Have a great day, and we hope to see you around tonight's talk.